Smartcast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about the writing craft and crafting a writer's life. You know, often that means doing a lot of different things. You've heard me talk about it. I do nonfiction books, but I do articles and white papers and all kinds of things, partially because I'm interested in different things, but also because it helps me hone my expertise and learn about a lot of different things and have income coming in from different topics. When we come and share our expertise in other areas through our books and articles, that's also a way to reach audiences in a new way. It's a way to serve others. And ultimately, that's what I think writing is really about, right? I'm idealistic enough to think it can change the world when we have that idea exchange. And that's what Sonia Frontera has done. Not only has she shared her legal expertise, but she's put aspects of her own life on the page in a series of books called The Sister's Guide to Empowered Living and others. She is inspiring, empowering, and helping people around the world. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Thanks, Polly. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, happy to have you. I I have so much I want to talk to you about. When I was researching, I learned that not only are you an author writing about divorce and legal and relationship matters, but you're a divorce lawyer. So that brings your expertise into play. You're also an empowerment trainer and author, the owner of Frontera Law in New Jersey, and you offer legal solutions to help individuals in their marriages amicably and navigate the immigration maze. You have written Relationship Solutions, Effective Strategies to Heal Your Heart and Create the Happiness You Deserve. You offer plenty of practical advice in your books and through your law firm. So I'm excited to talk to you about how you've taken both these uh, specialties, the writing and the law, and, and using it to create these books. But before we get into it, we start with the dailies. Sonia, what does a day in the life of a writer, attorney look like? Oh, every day is different for me. I wear, I wear different hats. But, you know, I'm an attorney, I'm an author, I'm a wife, I'm a doggy mom, and I help my husband with his businesses. So I wear a lot of different hats. So no day is alike, but I do have some consistent routines. The one and most important is every morning I start my day with a cup of Puerto Rican coffee and some prayer so that I can ground myself and set the tone for the day. Now, in terms of writing, I don't write every day. I tend to set aside time for writing, usually when I'm writing a book. And when I'm writing a book, I just write solid. I I get up at four o'clock in the morning, just the best time for me. My mind is clear and my ideas flow. I don't have the phone ringing. No one's interrupting. 
So I pretty much like right solid from 4.30 to 4.30 in the morning till 10 o'clock in the morning, noon. And that way I feel like I can get a lot done and, and stay focused on my writing. So when you're writing your books, then are you not uh, seeing clients or doing that other part of your job, the legal work? Is it a separate time? Uh, pretty much I am the queen of my schedule and I like it that way. Uh, and because of the type of work I do, I can control the flow of work. I used to be a litigator, but I'm not a litigator anymore. So I don't have to worry about court dates and turning in um, briefs and and I don't have to deal with those deadlines. So it's easier for me to devote myself to writing. Yeah, I love that you map that out because I think no matter what else we're doing, if we don't protect that time, if we don't uh, make it like an active part of our job, the writing is easy to let go. When we got a book going on, you, you, I can't skip around either. If I'm, if I have a book due or if I'm writing a book, I'm going to sit down and do that book. That is my job for that six months or that two months or a year, whatever it is. So I appreciate that. And those are the dailies. All right. Tell me about how an attorney becomes an author of multiple books. Well, actually, I wanted to be a writer since I was in high school. And I went to journalism school at Syracuse University. And surprise when I was done with my degree I ended up pursuing a corporate career and I kind of felt like I sold out and I didn't pursue my dream and that was like that little nagging feeling that I lived with for a few decades and then my life completely changed um like I said I was a litigator I worked in government and in, in 2012 I became sick with chronic daily migraines so that was the end of my litigation career and so I decided to do something different. I went solo and I started, I opened my own practice. I started practicing immigration and collaborative law. And that opened up my schedule. That gave me the flexibility to do different things. And this was the perfect opportunity for me to pursue writing. Now, in terms of the books that I wrote, um, I wasn't intending to write about divorce but I went to a women's retreat and the subject of the retreat was forgiveness. And I noticed that a lot of the participants had been going through marital problems or divorces and they were still reeling from them, even though maybe decades had passed. And so I realized this is an area that I am uniquely positioned to help people with because I survived a divorce when I was a very young woman. I got married at the age of 24 and I divorced when I was 31 after struggling for almost seven years in an unhappy uh, relationship. So I felt that I could help readers go through that journey. I would share the short, the shortcuts so that they could get to that place of freedom and fulfillment and happiness from a different perspective, from the perspective of a sister who cares. I, I find this really interesting, and I think this is the bottom line of what um, writing should be, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction or articles or whatever it is, is 
this is still the language that allows us to help each other. You can reach strangers all over the world. And we all have that universal experience of, of being in love or being in difficult relationships, some leading to divorce, some toxic, but you've really taken your professional expertise and matched it to your personal interests and experience to create this service. Was that by design? Did you when you landed on the idea and you knew you were a writer, I mean, I, I want to talk about that a little more too, but, but you wanted to write. Did you ever consider whether it was the smart decision or the right decision for you to put your own experience in there? Because you talk openly on your website and in your materials about you surviving divorce too and getting out of a difficult relationship. Was that ever a question for you? How much to share in your material? Yes, I, I figured that people need to realize what you are going through is not unique. And I think that's something that most people who are going through divorce or abusive relationships wonder. They feel isolated. They think they're the only ones. And you really need to know that your situation is something a lot of us go through and that we survive it, that we will get through it and start over. And I wanted to help people get to that point because I had been there. How did you work on your voice and your tone in the writing? Because lawyering is, there's a lot of legalese. I mean, the terminology in the legal profession sometimes is hard to follow. And yet your books are very accessible. You talk about the sisterhood, the sisters. It's very approachable. Was that by design? Is that just who you are? Or were you very clear about the point of view and the tone and voice you're going to take in these books. Absolutely. And it was based on my experience because when I was going through this at the time, I'm talking the nineties, there were not that many books on the subject. And most of them were about the toxic uh, behaviors of men. And what I was really looking for, it was that comfort. I wanted to feel supported and that's what I wanted to do for the reader. I really want to be that sister who's going to be there for you and uplift you. And in terms of the language, I am a plain language person. I survived journalism school. We were we were very uh, encouraged to use plain language. And I despise legalese. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> you know, I think that's something that lawyers used to feel so self-important. And I speak in plain in plain language. And I think when you are looking for help, you want to understand. And the divorce process is complex by itself. You don't need to add the legal language to make it more difficult or intimidating. I think that's so valuable when we're trying to reach readers, knowing who we're speaking to and how to have that conversation is, is a real big part of our job for making these books serviceable and, and useful to the readers we're writing for. I, I think that was really effective for you. When you were writing these books, did you map them out ahead of time? Did you think through those things or were they more intuitive because they're coming from your expertise and the things you already know? A little bit of both. I am super intuitive and, and sometimes I read my books and I find myself wondering, where did these words come from, <laughs> right? It just felt like it was a download. All these things just came to me. But on the other hand, I was a trial attorney. So presenting evidence, building a case, presenting facts in a way that can be digested, understood, and applied is something that has become second nature for me. And so 
a little bit of both so that I can present something that the reader will understand that is going to make sense, but it's also going to feel comforting, loving, supportive. Yeah, well, I think that's super effective. And I think that's an important note for all of us writers out here. And that is that when we are writing service journalism or self-help books or prescriptive books, if you're truly entering this from what you know, from what you care about, from what your expertise is, some of it is going to be intuitive. And then we become a translator for the information, right? We, we, we take what we know in our experience and we offer it up in a way that others can, we translate that insider know-how in a way that others might find value in it. I think that's really, um, it feels intuitive, but it came from all these years of background and experience and knowledge that you've honed. So I, I think that's a, that's a fun place to be as a writer, to be able to feel that flow, I would imagine. Yes, it was really an amazing and surprising process. I enjoyed it tremendously. And I'm glad I did it. Absolutely no regrets. And I just hope that this is an evergreen topic. I hope I can continue to help people. And I feel so rewarded when somebody reaches out to me and says, you made me feel empowered. You returned my voice to me. I, that's awesome. It's cool that you hear from readers. And, and sometimes when I'm at my lowest and I'm frustrated or I've gotten a rejection or the ideas and coming together, then you get some feedback like that. It can just really energize a writer too. Sonia Frontera, I want to talk more about your work because one thing I'm interested in is you've done this through independent publishing. You've self-published your books and um, and they've reached a wide audience. I want to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break on Simply Write with Polly. And when we come back, we're going to get into talking with the attorney and the author, Sonia Frontera, about self-publishing and why she went that route right here on Simply Write with Polly, part of the Creators Network of Electricast. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. And we are back. Welcome back to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about the writer's craft and crafting a writer's life. And today we have author and attorney Sonia Frontera here. And Sonia, right before we went to break, I was asking you about self-publishing, independent publishing. I, I, I like that term for me for me better I, because it, there's so much you have to do independently. So many decisions you have to make when you publish this way. Talk to me about your process. Why did it come down to that for you? Why did your, you self-publish your books? And what was that experience like? Well, I absolutely love independent publishing and I would do it 
all over again. I, I don't even see myself as a tradition, someone to be uh, traditionally published. I originally started looking into publishing, thinking traditional was the only way to go. And, you know, I got the book and I learned how to do proposals and all that sort of thing. But as I started talking and, 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 and researching more on the issue, I learned that you need a wide audience. You need a lot of followers for you to be considered uh, for a traditional publishing. And I did not have that. Plus, it's a daunting process that takes a lot of time and you are surrendering control of your product to somebody else. And I'm a control freak. You know, I know what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it. And having had the background, I thought I, I could do the, the independent publishing and do a good job at it. And so I just did the best work I could and I created the best book I possibly could put out. And I worked with a team of people that helped me get this work done in a way that translated into a good product that is going to be useful for others. An important point. This isn't just sitting on the couch thinking, oh, I have a book in me. I want to write a book. It's a job. It's a process. If you want anyone other than your mom and your grandma to pick up that book, you have to treat it with the respect of the profession. Get a good cover, get good writing, get editors, go through it. You don't just, uh, I think in their pioneer days, in the early days maybe of self-publishing, everybody was putting things out there, but those books don't reach an audience. It's books like yours that take the process seriously and treat it professionally that elevate, I think, independent publishing to what it's becoming now. So tell me how you, what kind of team? Did you have cover designers? Did you have editors? How did you put those people in place? I wrote the manuscript and then I reached out to an editor and, and this was someone, she doesn't do editing professionally, but she's very good at it. And I started out with her and she did a phenomenal job. She is very insightful. She had been uh, through divorce. She was the wife of a pat of a, of a, an Episcopalian priest. So she had an amazing perspective that merged with my vision of what I wanted to bring to readers. Um, so that was the first person on my team. And as the manuscript was completed, I reached out for a really good book designer and he was, he did a phenomenal job. He was very serious. I got to see uh, samples of his work and I was very pleased with the results because you see a lot, like you were talking about the quality of, of independent books. Very often people do their own formatting and it's all over the place and it looks unprofessional. So I, I thought uh, a book designer was very, very important. And also the cover designer, the book is sold by the cover. And I set out to find someone who could bring to the reader that message that I wanted to convey um, of a light, very lighthearted approach to divorce. My first book was Solve the Divorce Dilemma. Do you keep your husband or do you post them on Craigslist? <laughs> and I wanted to show that this was something lighthearted coming from a place of joy and not from a place that was uh, serious, like, like, like an attorney speaking legalese to you. So I, I worked really hard and I checked out a lot of designers until I selected Mariah and she's normally a cozy, um, cover designer, but she could translate that feeling that I wanted to convey to the reader. This is the book for you. If you want to get through this difficult process with a light heart. Yeah, I think it pays off because the book feels very accessible. And sometimes I run into books where the cover is is one way, very serious or dark. And I open the book and and 
it, the, the book is much more accessible. It's not like that at all. The tone of the book is different. You want those things to be consistent. You want the cover to reflect not only what the book is about, but the author who is writing the book and the point of view and, and that energy. And I think uh, having a cover designer is a huge important thing, no matter who we are and how we're publishing. You also specified Sonia, the difference between a book designer and a cover designer. A book designer, they lay out the pages for you, the, choose the fonts. Explain that to me a little bit. Yes, the book designer takes care of the inside of the book and does the layout and, and make sure the fonts are good and legible so that the book is easy to read and it's attractive. It has to do both things. And it's something that is often overlooked and all you need to do is pick up books and compare them and see how some of them flow better. They're easier on the eyes. They're structured in ways that are easier to follow. And that's why I think it's important to have a designer who knows how to do it properly for the benefit of the reader and make the book also more attractive because you it is a product you're trying to sell. So you want it to be as appealing as possible. Yeah, I absolutely agree, especially in this day and age when we are becoming even more visual with all our devices. If it's hard for me to read, if if the font is is hard for me to, you know, see the different letters and or there's not enough white space, I, I'm lazy. I'm getting lazier. I won't read. I won't read it the same way. I'll go to something that that feels more accessible to me. So good job on that. Now you made an investment. Not only did you offer your professional expertise and your time as a writer, but you hired these people to be part of your team. How was that a hard decision to make? And is there any return on that? Will you make enough from the sale of these books to cover your costs or even make a profit? How did you weigh those two things? Well, to me, it was a no brainer. I am not putting out, I'm not putting my name on a book that is not quality because it's going to reflect on you personally and, and professionally. And so I set out to find design, um, team members that were on my same page who are also very serious, very professional. And it is an investment that will pay off. And even if you don't make a killing with a book sales, it is a calling card. For me, books are not for becoming rich and supporting my lavish lifestyle. It is a, it is a calling card. It's something that speaks of me as a professional. And I want the book to reflect that. And that's why it's not a good idea to go cheap when you're producing your book, because that's what the that's what not only the reader, but colleagues and other professional contacts, when they see that you created a good book, they know that you're serious, that you are a professional and that you put effort and thought into your work product. Writers, this is huge. Listen, this is a calling card. The book will be out and it will be out for a long time. And whatever it looks like, whatever it reads right, like whatever it is offering is going to be a reflection of you probably until the end of your career, one way or the other, right? Sloppy, lazy, typos, not great design, hard to read. That is a reflection on you. And, and with my books, they've led to speaking opportunities, They've led to more book sales. They've 
led to clients um, through content marketing writing and other work. Sonia, I imagine that's true for you. Speaking opportunities, clients in your law firm. I imagine when you say calling card, it's not just selling more books. It's selling you across the scope of your expertise. Absolutely. And I had a woman just pick up the phone. She happened to be from, from the town where I have my office. And she just called me and she said, I want you to represent me. You get me. So <laughs> awesome. you know, that was like the most flattering thing that I have ever heard. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and I get that from your books too. I mean, they're, they're so accessible. Now talking to you, it's so consistent that that breeds trust because it's authentic, right? You're, you're not putting on the show. This is authentic and, and it reflects who you are and people that like that will, will come to buy your book and work with you. So that's fantastic to hear that. All right. Well, if we want to get started today on a self-publishing or independent publishing product, is there one way to get started today? How do we start thinking about this process? Everybody thinks they have a book inside. And if you do, you need to start thinking about what is my message? And I have to say that when I, this period of several decades, when I was in writing, I felt that I had nothing to say. <laughs> and it was at that point when I felt that I had something to say. I had a message that had value. That was the time when I decided, let's write, let's publish. And I urge anyone who thinks they have that book inside to question themselves. What is it that I have to offer? Who's going to benefit from my experience or my entertaining writing, my educational writing? Figure out what it is that you're bringing to the table, what you're bringing to the reader. And then that's your foundation for how you're going to go with it. And I think the most important thing is to learn about the process. Learn before you pick up the pen or the laptop or whatever you write with, just learn a little bit about the process, what is entailed. So you don't go blindly into it. So that as you go through the process, you're lining up your ducks, not only to create a good book, but also to market it, to present it to the world in a way that will be accessible, that will be discoverable. And if you take those steps and you follow, you have to learn from the best. You have to figure out who are the good people in the industry, because there are many. And there's many people who are not. You need to identify who provides you the best information that you can follow, that you can learn from, so that you can create that good book and bring it out to the world. What's in the desk? Sonia, what do you have around you when you write? What tools or techniques or reminders do you have on your desk when you're working? I am a minimalist writer. I have a blue pen and a red pen, a highlighter and sticky notes, the square ones and the little flaggy ones that I can, you know, point out the pages that I need to go back to. Um, the one thing that I really like to surround myself with when I am writing and all the time, my desk is silly. It's got lots of silly things. Um, I especially have figurines of angels. I have naked angels, cupids and diapers, uh, wearing full gowns. Um, but that kind of sets that positive working environment that is really important to me, whether it's writing or whether it's doing law. I need to be in a good frame of mind. Sonia Frontera, thanks for being here. She's the author of Relationship Solutions, Effective Strategies, Heal Your Heart and Create the Happiness You Deserve and other books. Sonia, how can we track you down, find your other work, get in touch, follow what you're up to? 
The best way to reach me is on my website, www.soniafrontera.com. And there you're going to find links to my social media. And you can also send me an email through my website. So I would love to connect with your listeners. Fantastic. Check out her books and her work and get in touch. I will also in include Sonia's links in the Simply Write newsletter. So become part of our Simply Write community. You can do that at simplywrite.substack.com. You can find me on socials and polycampbell.com. Your assignment this week, think about what you know. Think about what you've lived. If you think you have a book in there, take a minute, take a deep breath, and start thinking about what you can share. And remember the words of Carl Sagan. He says, writing is perhaps the greatest of human inventions, binding together people, citizens of distant epochs who never knew one another. Books break the shackles of time, proof that humans can work magic. Now, writers, let's get to work. Sit down and simply write. Welcome, explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul, and I'm your host, Claudia Monticelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one -on -one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid.